This podcast is sponsored by Slow Wave. Are you looking for more calm and less stress in your day? The world is chaotic and distractions are everywhere. It's easier for me to be creative when I feel calm. And that's why I'm really into the new modern CBD experience from Slow Wave. This new brand designed a CBD line to help creators feel calm and centered, to be more creative, stay focused, and do their best work. I usually start my day with their Super Halo Day Blend gummies and a cup of coffee, and it really helps me get dialed in so I can get more done. Visit slowwave.com and use the code BETTERYET15 to save 15% off your order. Welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues this week with my guest, Maura Weaver. I was due for a heartbreak. Maura's debut solo album is out now on Don Giovanni Records, and we're here for Bubba's. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all who are subscribing on your podcast player of choice. I'd like to invite you to visit our website, betteryetpod.com, and check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at betteryetpod. How are we doing today? I'm drinking that Dagger Mountain coffee, daggermountain.com. Follow them on Instagram, at daggermtncoffee, my favorite coffee roaster in the U.S. of A, right here in Valparaiso, Indiana, the home of Better Yet, since October of 2020. I'm drinking the Santa Matilde, a beautiful naturally processed coffee from El Salvador. Pick yourself up a bag at daggermountain.com. How are we doing, Bubba's? Excited to have Maura Weaver on the show this week. This past weekend, Don Giovanni had their 20th anniversary celebration in Philadelphia. Tenement reunited for it. Unreal. Wish I could have made it out for that one. Wish I could have made it out to any of those tenement shows. I did see Stop Making Sense in the theater here in Valparaiso. It was my first time seeing it. I had such a fun time. If it's still in the theaters when you're hearing this, go see it. I'm still feeling the glow from it. We're sponsored by Slow Wave CBD. Slow Wave is a brand new CBD brand that specializes in crafting CBD products for creative people. Helps me feel calm, centered, and inspired. Slow Wave CBD helps me get into the creative zone for the podcast and for my other creative ventures. This is a high-quality product, third-party tested. Edibles are fully vegan, and they taste great, too. Visit shopslowwave.com and use the code BETTERYET15 to save 15% off your order. All right, my guest this week is Maura Weaver. Maura's music has been in my life for many years. I first heard her band Mixtapes in 2010, a record 
called Maps that I distinctly remember listening to for the first time. It was a game-changing pop-punk record that left such an impression on me. After mixtapes broke up, Mora spent some time playing in direct hit. She joined Homeless Gospel Choir and started Ogikubo Station with our friend Mike Park. She briefly lived in Chicago, and we have some fun history that we get into in our interview. Last month, Mora released her debut solo album, I Was Due for a Heartbreak, a stellar collection of power pop songs in the spirit of the Lemonheads, Teenage Fan Club, and Marshall Crenshaw. It's a record Mora's been waiting many years to make, and this is a conversation I've been waiting many years to have, and I'm excited to share it with you this week. Thank you so much for listening to Better Yet. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. We'll be back in two weeks. For now, here's me and Maura Weaver. You're coming to us from Cincinnati. Maura Weaver is on the podcast. Cincinnati. What's up? Hi, Maura. Welcome to Better Yet. Hi, Tim. Thanks for having me. Dude, we were just reminiscing. It's been a while since I've seen you, probably since you were living in Chicago. Yeah, which was like, I think I moved away in like 2017 or something. Yeah. So You were just there for a brief little sojourn, is that right? Yeah, yeah like, I mean, like two years, kind of. Yeah. But that's not very, that's not really that long. Well, we have a pretty funny overlap, you remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because... You play guitar in Daisy Glaze for yes. a minute. And then uh-huh. do you know who replaced you? Was it you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't know that somehow. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. After you left, Vince was like, we got a couple shows. I need someone to play guitar. And I was like, I can do it. Hell yeah. I, I still <laughs> feel bad about like that whole thing because... I really liked playing in that band, but I was just going through like a crisis at the time. And I remember I was like, I don't know if I can do like a book, like a band. I don't know. And it was just like, it would have been fine. I could have just, you could have just done it. Right. Oh my God. You and I are so similar in that way. Cause I reached out to you and I was like, Hey dude, do you want to do an interview? And you were like, yeah. And I was like, cool. I really can't right now. Cause I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know, nothing is going on, but I know that feeling of like, committing to something and then Uh immediately like regretting it but not like it's not like i don't want to do it i just feel like so overwhelmed by just being a person right now yes yes (laughs) that is my my biggest problem i don't know i like i don't know if it's like i have adhd and anxiety i don't know if that's Mm -hmm. why but i feel like i i'm like one of those people where somebody texts me and i see it and I think that I responded and then like it a week later, I'm like, oh, I didn't respond. But then That's so funny. Then I have anxiety about it for like four days until I text right. them back. <laughs> I mean, if, if it's like <clears throat> I talk to regularly, I text them back immediately. But if it's yeah. like somebody who just like I don't talk to that much, there's mm-hmm. like a weird anxiety thing. Dude, I'm the same way. Like if I I see everything when it comes in and if I don't respond to it immediately, who knows? Who knows? But I'm thinking about it regardless. Me too. That's like I had people who congratulated me on my album coming out, which was a week and a half, like 
two weeks ago now and I never texted them back Yeah, and I feel really guilty about it and I literally had a dream about it, but I still haven't texted <laughs> it back, <laughs> which is like fine. I mean, people, I don't think, it's like telling someone happy birthday. It's like, I don't necessarily think they like expect yeah. a, a response. Like when I tell people happy birthday, like, I don't. I just want them to know. I don't just need assume them to that respond. they're having the best day ever. Exactly. And I'm sure that's what people are assuming. But you got something you can do while you're nursing your hangover today. Is that's true. Just like sit on the couch, drink some Gatorade, and just go through that's all true. of those happy release things. <laughs> it just feels so stupid to like. That's the thing is that like once you haven't texted someone back within a few days, then like texting them back like two weeks later, it's uh -huh. like it just feels so like funny. But also, <laughs> what well, you know. Did you grow up in Cincinnati? Yeah, I did. Um, I am from here, born and raised. I have lived other places. Yeah. But I'm back. I'm Are back, your folks baby. still there? No, no, not no. Where are no, they at? None of my family lives here anymore. Um, my dad lives in Seattle. He's lived there for like 20 years. And then my mom lives in like outside of Austin. Yeah. Um, and my brother lives in Chicago, actually. And my sister lives in Oakland, but is now moving to New York. So... Like none of my Everyone's family lives in Cincinnati. I know. Yeah, it's wild. It's um, wild. How, so your dad's been in in Seattle for for twenty years. What's it? What's his story? What's he into? <laughs> he's actually he's he's a really cool guy. He's like he. Well, my parents got divorced when I was like three, and yeah. he's lived all over the place. But he he's like into like he's done like marketing and like web design and stuff like that but yeah. now he actually has like he has a startup i have a i have a dad a father with a startup <laughs> you poor thing <laughs> yeah i know he's always like about to have like a friggin' aneurysm because he's like so stressed out but yeah but it deals with actually like really cool stuff which is like helping um curb food waste and like tracking food oh, that's so really cool. it, there's yeah. like trying to help with environmental stuff but but he's like he's a freaky dude he's like dresses like he's in the matrix and he like always <sighs> he like plays synths he's always been into synths yeah he has like a bunch of synths and piano and stuff like that and he he played in like new wave bands in detroit in like the 80s and stuff oh like no that. shit so yeah that's awesome did he yeah. have a like keyboard tie I wish he did. That would be that would make him much much cooler and more impressive. Is your mom musically inclined? She she is. She doesn't really play actively, but she played cello when she was younger and piano. And she's like kind of plays, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you live with your mom? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was there music in the house when you were growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, mostly, yeah, it's weird because there was more music when I was hanging out with my dad, but my mom also, my mom actually is like, 
into like Van Halen and like Cheap Trick and like uh-huh. she's like kind of uh-huh. like a classical rock lady. Yeah. She's a rocker. But she like she saw so many like cool shows back in the day. Like she was like I saw like it was like Nicklo Squeeze, Fuck Cheap yeah. Trick, like all these fucking sick bands. Um but she also loves like Limp Biscuit and Corn and like Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> And I used to, like, hate all of that. Like, I used to hate classic, like, just, like, classic rock when I Mm -hmm. was, like, getting into punk. Yeah, sure. I think I just thought it, like, wasn't cool. Like, I was just like, this is fucking lame. Yeah, this is, like, what the cock rock hated. Yeah, and then, like, as I got older, I was like, you know, Van Halen fucking rules. (laughs) 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 I was like, "This this is part of my, like, this is part of my DNA, you know. But yeah. my mom was listening to stuff like that. But then my dad was really into like Kate Bush and like the Cocteau Twins cool. and like stuff like that. He was into like melancholy, melancholy lady singers. <laughs> I just saw that they like named a comet or an asteroid after the singer from the Cocteau Twins. Elizabeth Fraser? Yeah. She is like a, a, she's like a goddess. An asteroid lady. Mm-hmm. Her voice is ethereal and beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love Kate Bush, too. Oh, my God. Me, too. She's a legend, a true legend. Um. So when did you get, like, the bug? Like, when did you want to start playing music? Um. I think I was, like, well, honestly, I was kind of just always obsessed with music. Like, when I was a little kid, I would, like, get mad when my either my parents would turn off the radio while I was in the car Mm -hmm. like I I always wanted to be listening to music but actually like a lot of my early experiences with music are like my dad playing piano in the house and like um he would like I could tell him like a song I wanted him to play and he would just like immediately learn it so when I was a little kid it was like the bat like batman the animated series like oh yeah like the x-men like theme song like stuff like that Uh um so i would always like sit at the piano and try to figure stuff out but i remember in like third it was like third grade they asked like what we wanted to be when we grew up and i was like i said a conductor but i meant like i meant like a conductor but i also wanted to be a compose like i wanted to be like a classical composer (laughs) (laughs) um but like honestly me like really wanting to play was like when i was like 12 and i got a guitar um and it was just it that was before i got into like punk really i was like trying to learn like led zeppelin songs Mm -hmm. um and like Aerosmith songs. <laughs> and then I got into and then I got into Green Day and I was like, I don't need any of that shit anymore. Yeah, I'm just gonna just four chords. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just learn how so. to play basket case. Exactly. Dude, have you heard those dookie demos that are so out? good? Oh, oh my god. It's They're crazy. so good. The basket case lyrics? Mm-hmm. they're insane they're kind of yeah. terrible on the first one a little bit yeah a little bit but <laughs> but like a long I, time ago they're my favorite band though so yeah you know. what's your favorite green day record 
That's like so hard for me because I think I always like have a different one. Insomniac is one that means like a lot to me. Yeah. But I mean, Dookie is obviously like that was like, I don't know. Changed like, everything. Yeah. It was Insomniac uh, just has this yeah. like repulsiveness to it that it's always like been my stock answer because I like put that thing on and it's like every track just gets me like more and more. Like, yeah amped up and angry it's way more like angry and like n- kind of like i don't know yeah shitty and gross like i feel like it's like green day with like on fucking like methamphetamines or whatever i don't know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> geek sink breath baby is there um was there like a scene in in cincinnati when you were growing up Yes, it was, um, it was like, <laughs> <laughs> you got this look on your face, like, let's be polite. Well, it's weird because it was a lot of the first shows that I was going to, like, you know, obviously at first I was going to like concerts more so, like I was mm-hmm. going to like, and then once I started going to shows, it was like, hardcore shows but like beat down hardcore and like metalcore so it was like the band rhinoceros and the band like okay i don't know are you picturing basketball shorts yes basketball Uh shorts capital h hardcore bad versions of terror yes like wait like there's this label Seventh Dagger. Are you familiar? Are, are you no, familiar no, with I'm, this world? Really, like a little bit. Like I'm okay. such a poser. I feel like I know. <laughs> like I know. The yeah. Tent why don't poles. you know about all the beat down hardcore bands? Come on. I don't know. Well, hardcore's like so cool now, uh-huh. and I'm just like, yeah, I like Turnstile too. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because now it's like hardcore's cool and i feel like i haven't like been a part of the hardcore scene i feel like i left yeah. before it became cool yeah and then it's not like i'm not like i feel like i'll always be like a hardcore kid but like i just now that i'm like 31 i'm just like i don't want to listen to hardcore all the time like i don't i feel that like, like i don't i just don't listen to, <laughs> to it much anymore yeah like but I mean, I definitely am like I would consider myself a hardcore kid. But I was going to shows like that, and it's just like it was just like really ignorant shit, you know? Like act like sure. very ignorant. Like some of my first experiences of going to shows were like there were like dudes swinging their dicks around, like literally, mm-hmm. and like. Um, like throwing chairs at people and like there were these gangs in Cincinnati, you know? Oh, geez. Um, yeah. And like people would say shit like no clit in the pit and like girls can't cool, be straight man. edge. Yeah. <laughs> like I literally one time there's this guy in Cincinnati that was like, I have so many stories about this kind of shit, but there's this guy in Cincinnati. I think I was like 15 and, I was like hanging out with these a couple of my friends and these dudes from town nearby. And 
they were like we were like talking about like hardcore like punk and stuff like that and i was just like i like minor threat and like i'm straight edge and the guy that i was talking to was like girls can't be straight edge you're just saying that to impress me like you don't even know who minor threat is and all the stuff like that and i was like what the fuck i was like sorry you insinuating that like i want to impress you uh-huh is like really insulting that to rules. me and this also person really- was definitely your age to like the age that you are now <laughs> he he was older than me yeah he was like probably like 20 20 or something yeah and i was like, like 15 all right dog yeah. okay yeah. really cool so, guy yeah you know? <laughs> Did you play in bands? Like, were you were you in bands before mixtapes? Not really. No, I. The thing is, I like wanted to be, but literally, I had a few experiences where I would like make demos at home, and mm-hmm. I was really into like, you know, like four years strong and set your goals and stuff like yeah, that at the time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was when I was like, you know, sixteen, and I would try to make demos like that. And I would, like, play, you know, the guitar, bass and stuff. And, like, my boyfriend at the time would, like, program drums for me. And um, I remember, like, some of the dudes that I knew who were in bands, they heard it and they were like, oh, my God, this is really good. A girl wrote this? (laughs) Like, they literally. And then they were like, oh, you should be in our hardcore band. And I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. And they were like, just kidding. We can't have a girl in the band. Insane. Um, but I did go to rock camp for like four oh, years. Cool. Called Power Chord Academy. I know Power Chord Academy. You know Power Chord sure. Academy? Yeah. I feel like yeah. I do. They've got more than one like location, right? Yeah. I don't know if they exist anymore, but... Mm-hmm. They, I found out about it because they had like, they used to have so many ads on ultimateguitar.com back in the oh, day. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. And um, that's, that's what my, my mom would like splurge on that for me. That rules. Like, years. mom, awesome. I was just learning this Jawbreaker song and now I want to go to guitar camp. Mm-hmm. That's so adorable. It was cute. And yeah. I, that was a really good experience, honestly, just because I wasn't in Cincinnati. I was in like, California and I I'm still friends with some of the people I met and like it was a good experience of like playing in some playing in bands because they would have you like they'd put you in bands based on like your skill level the kind of music you'd want to play you'd have to like write a song you'd record Uh it and you'd make like a music video and then play a show yeah and um it was very it was very cute so I have really funny like dvds of music videos we were in there's definitely one where like the first year i I think it was the second year i went i'm like we're all like in locker we're all like in lockers and we like pop out and i remember i was wearing like a ramones tank top i got it like hot topic Uh (laughs) and the song is about the song is about bush (laughs) oh yeah fuck that guy that was like 2006 it was uh-huh. like an anti-Bush song. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm 17 and I hate George Bush. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty sick. I wish I could find the... I, I have the CD somewhere. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll upload it at some point as a little... 
Oh my Dude, God. it'd be so funny to put out that's like a, that. Sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> that is nothing I would do. <laughs> like it's so same, but also mm. I kind of like love the embarrassment of like putting something like that out into yeah. the world. Oh um, my God, you! I listen to your record. You love self-flagellation. I do. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> uh, how did mixtapes start? Um, mixtapes started because I, I had been like recording some demos that were more like folky kind. Honestly, they sounded not that dissimilar from what I'm making now, like a teenager version of that. Um, but I was dating this guy at the time who was truly terrible but whatever um he (laughs) he introduced me to ryan yeah Uh he introduced me to ryan rockwell um he worked at the the mad hatter which was the venue that i spent my youth in pretty much Mm -hmm. um and ryan was trying to find like a female singer to do like a kind of like indie like punk pop punk project and my boyfriend introduced me to him and yeah honestly we just got together and we we were just gonna make like an acoustic album like Mm -hmm. it wasn't supposed to be full band um and actually the do you remember the band fireworks yeah so Mm -hmm. they were playing a show and they stayed at ryan's house and tim who played drums and fireworks like heard the songs and he's like I really like these. I want to like play drums on them. And we were just, we thought he was like, you know, just blowing smoke up our asses. But then we just played with them. And honestly, he was so good. It it came together really quick. We like, I think we just like practiced songs like a day before with him. And then we went to the studio the next day and that was our first album. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So. Damn. We did it. One you practiced one time and then you recorded that thing? Yeah. With him at least. Yeah. We wow. had like been working on them a little bit by ourselves, but like not much. It kind of just came together like out of nowhere, really. That's like, so crazy. Yeah. But Dude, that was a big record for me. <laughs> I, have to I say. love that. Yeah. I love that. That makes me happy. Yeah. When I hear people say that. Just came out at the right time for me i remember uh i downloaded it from death to false hope yes which i'm i'm sad is like no longer there's no like archive of that because i remember distinctly remembering remember downloading that and minor p's and q's by the please and thank yous yes i love the please and thank yous also yeah vince and i played in the please and thank yous afterwards i didn't so. know that you were <laughs> yeah. played in it i knew yeah. that vince did i keep all of my stuff like close to the chest i don't know why but it's Mm -hmm. true um but yeah that yeah maps was like it just hit me at the right time yeah i love that i think it did for a lot of people it was like i love that record too honestly it like means a lot to me just because it like really feels like that time in my life because i was like 18 when Mm -hmm. we did that so i you know i was really young and like it it just feels really it feels like a nostalgic record already like i feel like we were trying to go for a nostalgic sound per se mm-hmm. 
but it also like legitimately is very nostalgic for me. So it's always like, it's always shocking to me, like how many people heard that album, I guess too. Yeah. Cause there were like a lot like that death of false hope was so cool. Like, I feel like that was kind of the, during the time still of like blog, like blogs you get being anything on like blogspot with like a mm-hmm. media fire link mm-hmm. there was if you make it and quote unquote we're mm-hmm. all putting out records for free and then mm-hmm. yeah death to false hope was like in that model do you know who mm-hmm. ran that i don't know um, like yeah. anything about that yeah. yeah it's my friend scotty he he's like a north carolina guy oh hell yeah but yeah we've we've been friends ever since then Dude, that song on that record, Nothing Can Kill the Grimace, is like still a song that's just like in my head. Like I, I wake up that. and it's just like <laughs> in my head. That's really sweet. I love that. Who would you record maps with? Um, it was our friend Eric Tuffins Tuffinsdom. Okay, yeah. He did the the next two LPs, right? Yeah. He did most he, of the mixtape stuff. Yeah, we did everything with him. I don't yeah. think we we recorded with anyone else ever. But Dude, I, I love the like the piano on that maps record it's just like to me it's like the default like casio keyboard tone it's just I like i love a, it yeah it's like a digital piano it's like just like a digital piano sound but yeah i think he might have played the piano on that he eric was is really talented he like did a lot of like harmonies he would help like doing doing a lot of like overdubs and stuff like that um but yeah, that sound. I know I can hear the piano sound in my in my head right now. <laughs> it's, like, it's like so primitive, but it just like for that record is so perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I saw mixtapes a lot, like especially after Maps came out in that first like run where you guys you also put out so many seven inches. It was hard. I to know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we had so we had like. I mean, we were only in band for like four years, and I think we had like 48 to, I think we had like 50 (laughs) songs, like actually. It's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. Um, And then you sign with No Sleep, and it's like, even, even on the worst nights, to me it's like maps, but it's just like elevated. Yeah. It's just like the quality is better but it's like mm-hmm. so just in that in that same same space yeah yeah i feel like that one's a little bit more like pop punk sounding yeah then i mean maps is pop punk sounding too but it felt it almost felt more like a little more like indie or something i think the even on the worst nights it's like more like driving a little bit i feel yeah. like you know y'all blown up at that time too yeah kind of it was like we also played warped tour around that time which uh-huh honestly like warped tour is a really difficult tour to do yeah but it did so much for us as a band mm-hmm. like i there's still so many people who i like talk to online or i met who are like yeah, I had never heard of you guys, but I saw you. At, I just randomly saw you at Warped Store. Like so many people, and they're like, yeah. "Then you guys like became one of my favorite bands and all this stuff like that." And I'm like, 
I didn't know anything good was going to come from from us playing Warped Tour. So, yeah, right? Yeah. That had to be crazy for you, like, what, you're 19, 20 years old, and, like, shit just sort of took off like that? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy, honestly. I don't think that I... It made me really anxious, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. It, it was really, really cool and special though like just having that experience just because like especially at that time in your life like all i had ever wanted was to be in a band like Mm. since i was like 12 or something i was just like i want to be a musician like i want to be in a band and for a long time i just felt like i couldn't find anyone to like play with or really be in a band with and like and to have my like first real band kind of like blow up a little bit was really special yeah but it also feeling like there were a lot of eyes on me especially like male like a male gaze yeah when I was like a teenager was was pretty intense for me you know now I can say that looking back because imagine so just a lot of like some older guys but like a lot of like younger like pop punk guys who thought it was really you know this was like pre me too and pre like people a lot of people in our Mm -hmm. scene talking about things like this it was like you know like a guy would crowd surf onto the stage and then kiss me on the mouth and then jump off the stage yeah yeah (laughs) stuff that i can say is like now that i can laugh at but at the time i was just like bro yeah stop you can't i literally like i made that kid cry after the show not on purpose but i was just like hey hey buddy Mm -hmm. you can't do that and i was like you're lucky that i'm being nice to you about it but like if you do that to another girl your age because it's like a 16 year old kid i was just like you're gonna get you're gonna you're gonna hurt her and you're gonna get in a lot of trouble it's like you're talking to like a (laughs) nine-year-old he's like i'm sorry i'm sorry (laughs) um so was was mixtape still a band when boys started um i yeah yes i was dude i love that fucking boys demo (laughs) oh my god that that, that is so good i love that i love boys too i mean that's my best friend megan who who sings in the band and like wrote the songs she's still like my best friend she like she's still in your she's like in your band now yeah yeah and she's in mimes yeah and we've played in home like we played homeless gospel choir together and how long have you known her since i was like probably like 18 or so yes so yeah yeah dude that boys demo is so good i listened to it a few times this week I love that. (laughs) I love that. Her voice is incredible, dude. She's like, she's so good. I I want her to sing more. So you make tapes broke up in 2014. I, I didn't know this, but I kind of saw that Ryan was going through it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Is that like (laughs) why the, why the band broke up? Yeah. Um, there yeah there was a lot of stuff that that happened that was not fun to deal with 
Sorry. Yeah. Sorry before if I just like went into like a negative diatribe about no. the pants. It's like, it's, it's like a thing that is like really special to me, but there's, there also is a lot of like negative stuff that happened. And, and one of those things was Ryan was like, he just was like dealing with a lot of addiction stuff and mm-hmm. he was like, it was very chaotic and I think he's been open about it. So, but I, yeah, I don't really want to go into all the details cause it's pretty, pretty terrible, but he yeah. was like, I mean, he just, he was like, I'm like, I don't know how much I should say. Um, he was just, I did he, read a little bit. And I think going through it is, is I think sufficient. Yeah. Um, we don't need to unpack like, um, but it's just a, it's just a bummer to see. Is he doing okay now? Yeah, he's a lot better now. He's That's good. He's married to a lovely person now and he lives in Kentucky in a nice house and he's making music still and he's doing a lot better and he's sober now, which is great. That's really good. Yeah. That was the main the main thing that was, you know, he was just like not dealing with a lot of his stuff and and that was a that was like really tough for me too at that time, just because like I like I was saying I was like twenty one when we broke up, and mm-hmm. I felt like my so much of my identity was like tied into mixtapes at that point, and it, like it was kind of like falling apart around me, and I was trying to like desperately trying to control the situation, but it was like emotionally taking a huge toll on me, just because I was kind of having to like caretake Ryan, yeah, in a way, and. And I was like, I don't want to have to like take care of like a 30 year old, 30 something year old man. I'm like 20 years old. And like, I was just like, this is like terrible, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. we're cool now and he's doing a lot better. So that's good. That's good. Yeah. And you kind of did like the Mikey Erg thing when mixtapes broke up and you just joined every band that you could. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> what I was. You guys need anyone to play a guitar for you on tour? Exactly. Cool. Let's go. I'm going to England. Well, it was like weird because I went through a period like when I lived in Chicago where I just like wasn't playing music really, yeah. mm-hmm. except for Daisy Glaze. And then like, but I was wildly depressed just because it was like mixtapes broke up and then I moved. immediately afterward and i hadn't really dealt with any of that and i just i didn't know anyone in chicago when i moved there like no one Mm -hmm. um like i met my roommates on the bridge nine message board (laughs) 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 which is like truly hilarious to say now that's so funny just like (laughs) (laughs) Like, because i know like so many great relationships that exists due to the bridge nine boards but it was like the most terrible place it really was i mean that's like that's the things were different then you know 10 years ago you found you didn't find roommates on you know mutual friends (laughs) facebook you found them on the bridge nine that's where you found them that's Um, fucking so funny yeah it was pretty funny and like my roommates started like hating each other within like six months of us living together. <laughs> <laughs> it was so chaotic. Like I have so many funny stories about that time. But but anyway, I just wasn't really playing in bands. I was like really depressed, and 
And like, then I moved to New Orleans. And then once I was in New Orleans, I was kind of starting to like get out there again and like play and tour mm-hmm. and join bands. But yeah, that was, but then I was like playing in too many bands. Right. That happens. I, that does happen. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how Mikey Erg does it. Like the amount I, that he yeah. does. And he like kind of still keeps up with that pace, which is I crazy. Know. I don't know how he does it, man. He's like a he's like a little secret wild wild card little guy. Yeah. He's just <laughs> playing on everything. He's killing it. Yeah, I was like, I think it was 2019. I was playing in Almost Gospel Choir, Tit, um, Ogie Kubo Station. Uh-huh. I built in a Kitty Cat Fan Club tour. Um, other people had asked me to play with them too, and I I had to say no. And I like, I think in 2019 I played in like a hundred shows, yeah, <clears throat> all out of town, and that's not counting travel dates, which like, it's too much. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe if it were the 90s, I'd be making a little more, you know, sometimes oh, bands yeah. make a little more money. shit doing all I'm making a little more money. I'm like, bro, it's 2019. I'm not making a goddamn thing. Like, I was yeah. like, I am penniless? Penniless? Without penny. Without penny. I'm like, please, sir, give me a spot to eat. Like, I'm just like, I was, I had got pneumonia that year. Oh, fuck. For like a month. I was just like, I was like, this is yeah, too just much. Yeah, ragged. Yeah. But I just kept putting, I mean, I had a great time. Like, I traveled so much that year. Like, oh, yeah, I also played in beach slang. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the Whoa. Sense. Forgot about that band. Oh, yeah. I played. No, I didn't. They're just a band I think about sometimes. Just like. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah. That had we to have been an experience. It was rough. It was really bad. It was truly, it was, it was those dark times. Yeah. But, but I did get to play with Jawbreaker in Europe, which was, oh, that's awesome. Really cool. Fucking amazing. I love that band so much. I have a large Jawbreaker tattoo. What is it? Is it like four F's? Yeah. Cool. Very cool. (laughs) Yeah. They're the best. I just saw them in Cincinnati recently with like Joyce Manor and Grumster, and it was, Oh, cool! Cute. That's so neat. My friend Evan was at that show like randomly. Evan, I know him Mm. because my best friend John Hoffman is who's in the mimes with me, and he recorded my record. He's actually going to be borrowing Evan's studio to like record a lot of Philly bands. He's going to be there for a month. Yeah, you're going to be up there next week for that Don Geo party yeah that's gonna be so much fun i'm so excited i'm i'm just i'm already smiling so i'm much. jealous of you because you get to see tenement i know oh my god and i get to see them next week here too. Yeah, i saw that they're in cincinnati yeah, yeah so i'm gonna have a i'm gonna have a back-to-back I love Tenement. I'm like Tenement really is stoked. One of my favorite bands of all time. They're truly like so incredible and still really underrated in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like like they should be like I feel like in our world they were like really big, but I'm like they should be fucking 
everyone say, needs to know their name. Yeah, I feel like I was in a lucky situation living in Chicago because I probably saw Tenement more than any other band. And Damn, so, that's so cool. In that echo chamber is like, yeah, Tenement was the best band for like 10 years. Yeah. But yeah. outside, it's like maybe not quite the uh, established fact that it felt like up there. Yeah. I mean, it is to the people who matter. I feel like they have like a huge following still but i just i'm like they should have been they're like they're so good and the recording still they, they like don't age like i feel like it's they all feel like classic recordings mm-hmm. you know yeah i love that fucking tape that they put out right after the double lp just like oh, such yeah. a kiss off strangest couple of love oh my yeah God. we um kind of glanced at Ogi Kubo Station, a band that you started with the hero Mike Park. Um, He's our hero. Yeah, dude. Our father. I love those records, too. Thanks. I, really I love, love them that too. song. I've been thinking of St. Louis. That's a it's that's a that's a fun one. Yeah. I I miss playing with Mike. We're probably going to make more music. We just kind of it's more of like a, just like a fun project. Like we do it when we can to hang out kind of mm-hmm. for a while. I feel like we were trying to do it more as, as like a thing we were pursuing, but honestly, like Mike went through a thing where he was just like, I don't think I can tour anymore. Aww. Like his anxiety was just really bad. And yeah, he was dealing with some health issues and stuff. And he has like teenage children, you know? Right. <laughs> I feel like people like, ex- like when they think of Mike Park, they're like, Oh, like King of DIY, which he totally is. Absolutely. But they're like, they like expect him to be able to like tour and play like he used to and like sleep on floors and stuff like that. And he's like, dude, I'm like 50 years old. Like I've been doing this my whole life. Dude, I just he's had like, a I can't flash. keep doing it all the time. Like I just had a flash of uh, remembering that I've reached out to you to do this podcast, and it was going to be you and Mike. But you were like, "No, Mike's going to King Spa when he's here." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. I forgot about that. No, because I remembered that we were supposed to do this before. Yeah, that you'd asked me to do it before. I totally forgot about that. But then when you <laughs> just said Mike was like tired on tour, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right. He went to King Spa." He loved, we've gone to Korean spa in Las Vegas together and it was oh, so yeah. fun. He's all about, about the, the rest and relaxation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Mimes is a band that you started with Megan and John Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Um, John, we should mention, uh, played in Vacation. Vacation's mm-hmm. still a band, right? Yeah. They'll uh-huh. always be a band. Oh, yeah. Um, how did that band start? Um, that started during like height of the pandemic, like 2020. Mm -hmm. I was just, I moved back to Cincinnati in 2019, like right before COVID basically like the end of 2019. So it's kind of weird because there's so, there were so many people here that I didn't know because I had been gone for like six years or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was just hanging out with Megan and John like all the time and we just were bored and like in the studio because John just like had a studio in the practice space and we would just get like so high like (laughs) unbelievably high 
and like have all the green lights on in the studio and just j- like jam. Yeah. Um, and like fuck around and record stuff and like make weird noises. Like, like Megan would like, we'd be like, let's record the door, like the us slamming the door and put it in the song or like us doing a weird devil voice or like, uh-huh. that's how uh-huh. that, that's basically how the mime started. We were just like, <laughs> And then we were like, when we decided on the band name, we were like, at first we were like, we're going to do m- full mime makeup, like all the time. And then we were just like, that's too much work. We were like, this is too, too much. much work. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we also like tried to do this thing where we had an interview with City Beat, which is like the local paper in Cincinnati. And, and, <laughs> This is true. Makes me laugh. John wanted to do the thing where he like made up a fake backstory for us uh-huh. that we were uh-huh. all like orphans and that we we met at this like weird. <laughs> we met at this like almost like convent in like Ross, Ohio, which is uh-huh. like a weird suburb outside of Cincinnati that like no one knew about. It was like a hippie community, and that like yeah, that we were all like orphans and we all like became brothers and sisters (laughs) (laughs) and we actually did an interview where john made up this whole story and he did it in like a believable way and we Mm. were all trying to do it we were all like lying and then um but you know the internet exists now and you can just easily find out that these things aren't true and (laughs) But the the journalist for City Beat was like, please, this isn't a lie, right? Like, this is real. Like, uh-huh. if you're lying to me, it could potentially, like, mess up my job. <laughs> and then, like, eventually, like, they had a discussion later on where he had found out it was a lie. And, and John was, we were all kind of, like, freaking out a little because <laughs> we felt really bad. <laughs> But we were like back in the day, people would do that shit all like bands would do things like that all the time. Like we oh just wanted God, there to yeah. be like a mystique uh-huh. or like a fake story. But like I was saying, it's like way more difficult with the with the internet now. But <laughs> so fucking funny. But yeah, that band is fun. It's just it's just us fucking around also. So, you know. And they're Eventually, your band for this solo record of yours, I was due for mm-hmm. a heartbreak. We're 15 years into your career as a musician. Had you been wanting to do this for a long time? I did, yeah. I, I Like I was talking about earlier, I had started recording my own songs at home, and I actually went to a studio and recorded like a kind of like indie folk pop mm-hmm. kind of kind of song um when i was like 16 um and if you i were to, there, like what, what what would it sound like what's it sound like uh the main influence at the time kind of probably like iron and wine and like oh, okay. sufjan yeah. stevens uh-huh. kind of vibe um and but there was like there there was one song I recorded that with like you know on GarageBand with my software instruments that was kind of like I'm trying to think of like a way to describe it. It was like kind of like synth pop kind of thing, mm-hmm. like 
God, I wish I could think of like on it, like probably like postal service. Like I was trying to sound like the postal service or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I, I was really influenced by stuff like that at the time. And through the years, there have been many periods where I wanted to do a solo project. Like when mixtapes broke up, actually before Ogi Kubo, Mike hit me up and was like, hey, I would love to put out a solo record for you. You should write a solo record. Mm-hmm. This was in like 2012, 2013 or something. And I was like, yeah, I would love to. But, and I was working on some songs then, but honestly, like my, I just didn't have that much confidence at the time. Yeah, Like sure. I was really like, I think mixtapes being kind of like a big thing at the time was it stressed me out a little bit trying to think of doing another project because I was like worried about like, how will people like this? Like, will it, will. It's all going to be compared to mixtapes. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I think I just like, because I did write a lot of songs in mixtapes, but I was trying to fit it into a pop punk Mm -hmm. kind of vibe. And I think I just, I was really young when it ended and I was just really worried about what people would think. And it was causing me to like not finish songs or Mm -hmm. like not write for a long time because I was depressed. Um, And, and I didn't want to just do a record because I should, you know, like I just, I wanted it to be good. I, that was really important to me. Like I didn't want to just like, shit it out if I didn't feel like confident in what I was writing and I like wanted it to actually be like thoughtful and I had always wanted to do that but like I was saying I think I just for a really long time I've been writing songs but I just wouldn't finish them I think that's like an ADHD thing too like I have like 3,000 voice memos on my phone (laughs) like actually Uh of like little half songs starting from like years and years ago and And I, it wasn't until COVID that I was like, well, all my bands are, can't do anything. Like I can't tour and also I'm unemployed now. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, if I'm not going to do it now, then like when the fuck am I going to do it? Yeah. Because I just am, tend to be a very like busy and distracted like person. Mm -hmm. Like like even now cuz now I'm trying to write another record and I've started recording some of it with John and but I have I don't have as much stuff as I had the first time around and I realized it's because <laughs> we're not as much in covid time and I yeah. actually got cuz I'm just always doing stuff and I got sick recently for like a month kind of it was like on and off I was sick and I like wrote way more songs during that period because I I couldn't like go do stuff like I had to I was just alone with my thoughts and stuff like that so yeah it's like you have you're there you're not gonna get like okay cool I got the verse and I got the hook and now I'm gonna go for a walk and I'm not gonna return to this (laughs) yeah exactly so I have wanted to do it for a really long time but I I really didn't have the focus or or confidence to like actually do it yeah until recently i love the way this record sounds the production on each track it feels 
really unique, like song to song, like more hi-fi than the mimes, but everything is still like got a real nice like tactile lo-fi feel. I love that. Thanks. Yeah. Were were there records that you had like in your head for I want this to sound like this? Um, I'm trying to think. I like recently I was make I tried to make a playlist of of some of the stuff that was inspiring me. Um, we were kind of going song by song. You know, a lot of it is it's mostly a studio record. Like, there's only a few songs that we tr- like really tracked live with a band. But mm-hmm. I mean, I love like power pop. Um, like I love, I have like a huge power pop playlist. Yeah. Love like the DBs, the Raspberries, Marshall Crenshaw, Lemonheads. Dude, fuck yeah. All this stuff. And I, I really like how, how a lot of those records sound like hi-fi, but they still have like uh, the Lemonheads are a big one for me where it's like mm-hmm. the records sound really good, but there's still like weird elements in there. Like I yeah. think about like, um, car button cloth by the Lemonheads, where it's like there's like Such weird, weird little sound record. effects yeah. and like uh-huh. little and and also I just like I don't know I guided by voices was another one which I know they're classically considered like a lo-fi band but maybe more like hi-fi guided by voices records oh sure we're in like, influence do the collapse and yeah ma earwig where there's still like a there's still like an undercurrent of weird sounds like lo-fi like guitar tones but there's like the hi-fi vocals dude i love the way the acoustic guitars sound on so many of these songs like languish and anguish like i love that shit it's like blown out a little bit Mm -hmm. fucking so cool and i really love the drum samples on crush on you part two there's like there's what feels like kind of live drums, but then there's like this cool, like metallic percussion sound that's going on. Yeah. We actually, I just used, I have like a Casio keyboard I got at the flea market mm-hmm. for $17. And that's how I wrote the song with the drum, one of the drum samples on there. And we just used that same one. Dude. Hell yeah. But then we added like auxiliary percussion mm-hmm. in weird little, like, like John has some weird, drum machine like drum pad thing and we we were just layering layering stuff and yeah a lot of this a lot of the aesthetic is just due to john because he i mean he records so many different kinds of bands but he is inherently like an analog guy kind of like he he has like an insane amount of like outboard like recording gear that's super cool and if if he always like goes on a tangent where he's just like, Oh, I want to try this. I want to try this. And like, yeah. sometimes it does not work. And I'm like, bro, this is too weird. But one reason I wanted to do the record with him, besides the fact that he's like one of my best friends and got a good deal, you know, but, uh, <laughs> no, but I was going to say like, John, I think that when I write, I tend to write in a very like, classically like poppy manner mm-hmm. and i really wanted i didn't want to play it safe with the record like production wise like i john i knew john would add a weird off kilter elements to it and like yeah. more you know more some more lo-fi elements and stuff that i might not be that comfortable with at first but then like 
like even the vocals like i if i'm being I love the way honest, the with, vocals are recorded thanks. on this yeah i was going to say mixtapes we would i mean my vocal style is different now than it was then my voice is just different now than it was then but like with mixtapes it was very much about like as hi-fi as possible and vocal wise like we would like punch in a lot Mm -hmm. we would always try to get like the perfect the most perfect sounding vocals and we use some auto-tune sometimes i feel like that's Mm -hmm. really like frowned upon but like everybody everybody like but this I don't know our, if everybody does it, but a I lot mean, more it, than you think. I think people are like, everybody they sounds like frown. Pain. Yeah, like I'm like, uh-huh. they fr- frown upon it. But a lot of times there's like the right inflection in the delivery. But there mm-hmm. there might be a slight weird bend in the note that you just want to even out. But with this record with John, he's very much like we didn't use any autotune. We didn't. Some of the songs we would spend a lot of time on the vocals, but like that's a style I'm not that comfortable with. Like I think because I had been recording like the way mixtapes did, I was like, no, the vocals need to sound like perfect. And John was like, no, Mm -hmm. like, no, they need to sound more like real, like real, like what you really sound like. Um, And I'm glad that we ended up doing it that way, even though there are some performances where now I've I started taking vocal lessons during COVID too, and it really changed the way I sing. And there's some songs that I wish I could redo the vocals, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible to admit after your record's out, but like where I'm like, shit, I sing way better now. Like I wish I moved this song up like an octave, because it would have been easier for me to sing, or like things like that. But it's like that's how making a record is it's like a lot of times there are things you don't realize that you would change until like after the fact or like it's like I don't have all the resources in the world I don't want to make it like perfect you know like that was just a thing I really had to let go of is like it being perfect you know yeah I think for this record too it's it's good that it's not perfect because like my favorite song on it is goner which I love that Dude, the synth at the beginning is fucking wild, and the guitar solo is unhinged. It's so it's so dirty. unhinged. Yeah. It's really that's what like uh we got our friend Johnny Walker. He plays in like Soledad Brothers. Okay, um, and he's like he like almost played in the White Stripes. He's like good buds with like Jack White and shit like that, and he. We like were like you need to play like you're drunk as fuck. <laughs> he doesn't drink anymore, but we were like uh, we want you to play like just like fucking like dirty I, that yeah, shit up. That's exactly what that is. It's just like yeah. turn turning to the amp, not giving a fuck. I'm gonna do these like rock and roll bends. Yeah, and that song's just like that song reminds me so much of Alcoholiday by teenage fan club i love that that's so sick that's like the sickest comparison they're one of my (laughs) faves they rule i love that band so much yeah i got teenage fan club tattoo where is it got a little that little sack (laughs) of money yeah yeah (laughs) but yeah that's like yeah we wanted it that song too i was kind of inspired by like 
more like I'm also inspired by a lot of like 60s like girl groups and like soul music and stuff. Mm-hmm. I like really listen to a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I can feel that like Phil Spector layering definitely especially on the chorus. Yeah, love love all that shit. So Dude, hell yeah. I'm excited yeah. to hear that you're working on LP number 2. Yeah. This ain't a one and done game. No, I'm trying to keep going. I'm trying to go for it. I like that's one thing I realized when I was making this record too is I just was like I love being in the studio. Yeah. With someone like John where it's like we're just fucking around and trying we're like experimenting together. Um like you know, there's I've had some people say things to me, mostly not musicians, just friends who are like, oh, now that your like record's done, like this is the fun part where you get to like promote it and like play and like bask in the like attention. And I was like, this is not the fun part. To me. <laughs> like, I do think it's fun. Like I do. I want to mostly performing like I do really I'm really excited to tour and play these songs for people, but I'm like, I realized how much through the mimes and and my solo project now, like how much I love being in the studio. So I'm like, I'm eager to keep working on on yeah. new songs. So that's great to hear, dude. Yeah. I'm yeah. excited. As someone who's been following you for a long time, it's exciting. I'm really glad that you're making records again. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for thanks for following. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, I'm excited too because I, I think the main thing I've been excited about with this project is just like I've, I've always like written in bands I've been in, but I was kind of more trying to, to fit it into the project, mm-hmm. and and I was like trying to just, this is kind of like, a character trait I have for better or for worse is that I'm like. No, no, you decide. You 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 figure it out. Like I I sure. I like like to put the decision making on other people and and I'm like, "Well, what do you think? Like what do you it's very like focused on the other people and and that was like a big thing for me with this project is I was like, "No, like what do I want it to sound like? What do I like?" And yeah. like what this is this is like my time to just do whatever the fuck I want. And like I, I kind of don't know why I didn't do it before, but like, like I was saying, it's, it's all, it's all shaking out the way I think it's supposed to shake out. But you know, there's sometimes where I'm like, of course I decided to do this when I'm like, fucking like 32 years old. You know? Oh what I'm yeah, saying? your life is like practically over. <laughs> it's <right>? over. <laughs> it is over. No chance. <laughs> no, there's always, there's always time in the sun to make fun things. But Dude, hell yeah. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a really a really fun conversation. Hell yeah. I could just keep on talking to you. <laughs>